Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. The crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet. All hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. And a very pleasant uh, good day to you. Thank you so very, very much for coming to Harlem America. I am G. Keith Alexander, the host of What's Hot Harlem America, and I have a great show for you today. Now, this young man, and I do call him a young man, <laughs> he has done comedy all over the world. He is an extraordinary singer. He has, uh, he, he's a dancer and an actor, and he is at Showtime at the Apollo, Mr. C.P. Lacey. Ladies and hey. gentlemen, this is going to be fun because C.P. is a man of a thousand faces. Uh, maybe it's, you told me you got one more face, though, right? Thousand one, yeah. Thousand one faces. Okay. So, CP, we've uh, known you from being at the Apollo Theater. Anyone who's gone to Showtime at the Apollo uh, and 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 have seen you on television know that you have all these various characters that you do, and and it's more than thirty different characters. How does someone keep it straight in their mind that they're okay? I'm going to be this character today, that character tomorrow. How, how does it all work for you? Well, first, let me just say thank you, G. Keith Alexander, for allowing me to be on your show. I want to say hi to all your guests and all your listeners. Hey, everybody. To answer your question, um, well, I don't know. It's, it's a gift. That's all I can say. It's a gift uh, to have all these people in you and not be a total maniac inside. Um, <laughs> Because um, I think if I were looking at somebody who did what I did, I'd say that person has to be a maniac inside with all those characters and <laughs> things going on in their mind at the same time. Well, well let's go back. Uh, let's take the Wayback Machine and tell us about your early childhood. How, how did you start out? That's an excellent question. I'm glad you asked that. Um, the way I started out, I, you know, every um, Sunday or whatever what day it was, I think I'm pretty sure it was Sundays. The Ed Sullivan Show would come on. I'm dating myself. The Ed Sullivan Show would come I on. I remember it. And I saw a guy named James Brown slide across the stage. And I said to my mother, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be inside that television, Ma. I'm going to be inside that television. <laughs> and she said, no, you're not. You're going to medical school. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to be in the television. You see who won. <laughs> yes, I, I, I see. So, okay, so tell us about the journey. So now, how did you begin to start performing? How, how did that happen? Another excellent question. Um, my father was in the Navy, right? How does that have to do with anything? Well, my father was in the Navy. He'd be away at sea for months on end, two, three months on end. And when he'd come back home, he'd bring all the sailors from the ship to our house where they would have house parties uh, down in Portsmouth, Virginia, near the naval base. And um, they'd have, my mother, my father would have house parties. She'd invite all her girlfriends. My dad would invite all the sailors from the ship. Pop, 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 everybody's partying. My mother would wake me up around 11 o'clock at night when the party's getting really, really good and would make me sing for really? the people because she knew I could sing. And um, I'd sing. And the first, G. Keith, I'm telling you, the first time I sang, they threw money. 
<laughs> and I said, uh oh, I know I'm doing this now. <laughs> you can say what you want. I can do what I love to do and get money to buy cookies and, and popsicles. And that was it? That, that's what started it? That's what started. My mother used to make me sing for the company, and those sailors liked my singing so much, they would throw money right there on the living room floor when I'm, as I'm singing. So, so you're in what the uh, around what age uh, now? Five, I'm maybe five. Five, okay. So now let, let's go to your teen years. Uh, yeah. Were you performing now uh, in school or or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was performing in. <laughs> you ask great questions. <laughs> um, I'm performing in the um, lunch room uh, on the on the um, tables, the lunch tables, and everything, doing uh, James Brown routines. And I'm doing Smokey Robinson <laughs> routines all over the place. And the kids would trade their lunch to keep me singing. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I don't have to bring lunch every day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now we move out of the teens. Uh -huh. And you get into, uh, 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 did, did you go to college? or? Uh... I did. I went to Long Island University. But prior to that, I was in high school. That's when the band years start. You get your friends, your little friends who can play a guitar, and one can play the drums, and one can play piano, and you start your little four-piece band. We did that and started doing shows around. Um, and a funny story, um, coming up, I was in a group we called, a, I can't remember what we called ourselves, but it was me, my, uh, my friend Wes, and Al Mills, the brother of the very famous Stephanie Mills, right? We grew up in the same area. Oh, okay. So 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 Al says, my sister can sing. I'm like, no girls. <laughs> no girls. And look what happened to her. Hmm. I guess I can't that. ask her for any favors. <laughs> yes. So, all right. So now we get to this. Okay. You're doing James Brown. You've, you've mastered James Brown probably early on before we've seen you on television. You've already mastered him. Then yeah. you've got Smokey. And then yeah. how, how did the characters come about? Um, they, I would do a show. I would do my, my regular show around now. I'm an adult and, um, um, I would do my show and they say, Hey, do this one. I said, I don't know if I do that. And then I come home, go into my, my wardrobe room, throw on something that looks a little like the character and practice it. If it worked well, I would include them in the show. If it didn't work well, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. So now... Give us a list of the characters that didn't work that you tried and they didn't work. Well, uh, let's see. Um, LL Cool J. That'll you, never work. You're not buffed enough to do LL. Okay. No, <laughs> I can't do LL. I can't. I can't do um, Bruno Mars. I want to do him so. so like, I'll yeah, you. you're too tall for Bruno. Yeah. Okay. I can't do Lil Wayne, man. Even though I want to do Lil Wayne, <laughs> so bad, man. I got the voice. Oh, man, I can rap a little bit. I'm just too tall. <laughs> okay. All right. So for those uh, listeners, and we've got listeners who are uh, in other countries, uh, may not have seen you before, but will see you after becoming aware of you. List uh, some of the characters that you're very, very good at. You're very proficient with. Uh, let's see. I do uh, James Brown, who, who you named. Mm -hmm. uh, Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, Prince, Snoop Dogg, Kanye West, Diddy, Lionel Richie. I go back to the older folks who still like to see folks like Johnny Mathis, 
Sammy Davis Jr., Ray Charles, Little Richard, um, Tina Turner, when the money's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I do over 30 characters. And you've got, well, I, I guess you've got this extensive wardrobe uh, that you can go through and, and uh, s- select which character you're going to be today. I guess it, it depends on uh, who, who's hiring you and what, what character they're hiring you for, of course. Yeah. Uh, how long is the preparation for one character? Well, Michael can take me anywhere from, um, if it's a quick gig, Michael Jackson, the quick Michael Jackson can take me every bit of 11 minutes. Um, if it's if it's a big production, Michael with full regalia, full you know the whole total look can take me about a good forty five minutes to really become a striking Michael Jackson. And you do your own makeup? Yes, I actually custom blend my own makeup for Michael. Really? Now I've seen you as Prince. Now Prince seems to be a little lighter. Uh, is is that a uh, an intentional? The, the you're probably talking about the picture that I sent to your producers. Uh, Prince is not, I don't believe, lighter than Michael. The lighting on that particular shot that my my people sent to your people was a shot where the light was right up on Prince. Okay. So he he put, he probably would appear um, lighter than Michael, but I don't believe Prince was lighter than Michael. And of all the characters that you do, which is your 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 famous your your, your I'm favorite? I'm going to ask that one, so I got to answer prepared for that one. Oh, really? The character that I enjoy doing most is the one that pays the most at the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a mother with her kids. It's like asking a mother, "Who's your favorite child?" You know, yeah. a mother can't say which one is the favorite, even though I believe mothers do have favorites. Well, I'm sure they probably do, but now okay, they never now, they never say which one. Now your your wife, your 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 lovely wife. Yes. Uh, does she play a hand in 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 any of your uh, artistry? Well, yeah, yeah. She's she's my business partner. She's a partner in the company Lacefront Entertainment, and uh, she also was my manager for a stint when she uh, left the New York Times. Um, to manage me, um, and uh, we we well, it, it's funny when you you're trying to manage your spouse, you know, kind of like that. But we found a, a a middle ground, and it worked very well. So we get along very well as business partners. Oh, that's great! That's great. I see we're sitting in your studio now. Uh, is this where you record uh, all of your music for your acts, or, or yes? What? This is where we create the magic. And um, I play all of the instruments for all of the songs that I do. When you hear me doing James Brown, I play all the music um, for all of the tracks that I do. I try to cut out the middleman as much as possible. Not that I'm um, greedy. It's that I, I like to say on my resume, yes, that was me playing the drums. That was me playing the keyboard. That was me playing the bass. That was me playing the guitar, you know. You're, you're, you're self-taught? Yes, I'm self-taught. Self-taught. I wanted to go to, it's funny, when I was younger, I wanted to go to music conservatory and things like that, but something in the back of my mind said that would erase the raw talent. That was a stupid move. I should have went. <laughs> I should have gone. <laughs> um, but something behind my mind said, no, you have a raw talent and it's great and it's wonderful. Don't go there because they'll polish off the roughness and make you a shiny diamond. 
and you don't want to be a shiny diamond. I think I would be uh, living in Beverly Hills if I was that shiny diamond today. <laughs> Hmm. Well, okay. So now we've got all these characters and yeah. uh, how did you get to the Apollo theater? Well, uh, there was a movie called Taps back in the day in the late eighties, maybe early nineties, starring uh, Sandman Sims, Gregory Hines, Sammy Davis, all the tappers. Well, Sandman Sims was called to shoot that movie. And um, um, I had one show, I had won the Apollo amateur night around six times doing my James Brown routine. And the creator of Amateur Night, Mr. Ralph Cooper Sr., God rest his soul, thank you for the gig, um, he saw my fancy footwork. So when Hollywood called Sandman Sims to go away for a week to shoot that movie, Mr. Cooper said to me, would you like, I like the way you move your feet. Would you like to fill in for Sandman Sims? Can you tap dance? And of course, every actor, the answer is yes. I've never put a pa pair of shoes on in my life, but the answer is yes, I can tap dance. Are you kidding me? I was just tap dancing the other week. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he said, okay, bring your shoes next week. And um, so I went out and bought a pair of Capizios with the taps on them, came in. Um, what do you call the word I'm looking for? I hustled my way through a tap routine. And he yeah. said, okay, I like that. Come back, come back next week because Sandman Sims will be back. Well, Sandman came back and then he got the show, Showtime at the Apollo. And then they booked me and hired me to do the rest of his stint at Amateur Night. See, a lot of folks didn't know that Showtime at the Apollo and Amateur Night at the Apollo are two different shows, two different producers. So Sandman was doing Showtime at the Apollo, and I was doing Amateur Night at the Apollo, which wasn't televised every single Wednesday night for the past 80, I think it's 85 years now. No. <laughs> okay. So I haven't well, been there 85 years. No, 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 no. You've been there what 35 years at the Apollo? I've been there close to 35 years, kicking people off the stage, destroying people's hopes, dreams, and aspirations. Yes, I've been doing that for 35 years. What's that like? It's 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 bittersweet because I, I, I've never known the humiliation of being kicked off of the <laughs> stage. I laugh when I say that, but it's not funny. But um, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. When the Apollo crowd boos you off the stage, they're not saying we hate you. What they're saying is go back to the woodshed, learn your craft and come back and we will then give you the accolades and the clappity claps that you so well deserve. But for as it stands for now, boo, get out of here. <laughs> Enter C.P. Lacey, the executioner. And it, you it, feel, it feels good except for that one time when I went downstage, went backstage to console a person who I just kicked off the stage. Mm -hmm. And it was, they were so distraught that, you know, a little scuffle ensued. You know, pop, pop, pop. Really? Pop. Yeah, yeah. Between I the mean, two of you. Don't get me wrong. I beat her good. No, I beat her good. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm a kidder. I'm only kidding. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, well, uh, all right. So give me... We've got about uh, two minutes left. Give wow, me wow, time a, goes so fast. It does. Give me a, a quick instance of something uh, that happened, other than that that you beating beating up the woman. Uh, is, is there another uh, funny story you could tell us? Well, not a funny story, but a story that I will always hold very near and dear to my heart. Um, I came into work uh, one Wednesday, and who was the special guest? at the Apollo that Wednesday evening, um, the Jacksons. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and um, you know, this was before um, they had put in a rule where you can't talk to the artist when they come in. You can't look at him. You can't blah 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 blah. I came in contact with Marlon, Tito, Jamaica, Jack. <laughs> I talked to him. I touched them. They talked to me. They say, we know who you are. You're the execution. I was like, uh-oh, the Jacksons know me. I can die. I can die tomorrow. The Jacksons know who B. Lacey is. And that, that's, that's a story that I will always tell. Well, that, that, that's a great story. Uh, I have some experience uh, at the Apollo myself, which mm. I'll, I'll talk about a little bit later. But right now, I want to uh, remind the folks that uh, Saturday, November 14th at 11 p.m., I'd like for you to check out a program called Profiles with Mickey Burns. I'll be a special guest. It'll be on uh, Channel 25 here in New York, WNYC. And if you miss it on Saturday, it repeats again on Sunday at 7.30 p.m. And on Tuesday night, November 17th at 3 a.m. Ladies and gentlemen, we have my special guest the executioner from the Apollo Theater, Mr. C.P. Lacey. And we're just getting started, so I want you to stick around and come back. And this is What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll come be on. right back. Harlem, Harlem America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Where Chase is advancing Black Pathways. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, yes, welcome back. Our special guest is the... uh Celebrity impersonator extraordinaire, Mr. C.P. Lacey. Uh, C.P., th- did you ever meet the uh, wonderful tap dancer, the legend, Honey Cole? Yeah. I, I, no, I never met him, but I used to go to the Apollo, sneak from home in Brooklyn and sneak to the Apollo every now and then. And Honey Cole was the actual host of Amateur Night at the Apollo. Um, I never got a chance to meet him, but... Um, well, he was, honey, he was a smooth guy. Oh, he was. Uh, honey Cole used to chase me away from in front of the Apollo Theater. Uh, and uh, well, because 
when I was a college student at Fordham University, in order to make a little extra money, uh, a friend of mine by the name of Alton Collier used to sell eight by 10 glossy photos out in front of the theater. And when I got hit by a car, he says, you know, I had lost my job at the Village Gate as I was assistant manager at the Village Gate at the time. He says, why don't you come work with me? I said, what do you do? He says, well, I sell eight by 10 glossies in front of the Apollo Theater. So I would go with him. And when the temptations of James Brown or whomever were in town, we would stand out in front and catch the audiences coming out and sell them the uh, eight by 10 glossy photos of the artists. And Honey Cole would come out and chase us away. And, <laughs> and, 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 I, and we'd run around the back of the theater and catch the crowd coming out the back. <laughs> and so uh, and it was great. I mean, uh, for a week's worth of work, you make like uh, $700 uh, selling eight by 10 glossy photos. Yeah, when, you know, James Brown temptations, people wanted to buy the eight by 10 glossies. 700 but, bucks? Y- yes, I'm and telling you. And that was you. your cut. That was just your cut. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I had to give uh, Al- Alton the, the uh, you know, the uh, largest uh, the uh, part of that. Share. Yeah, the <laughs> lion's share. But then also about, oh, maybe about six months later, I got hired at WBLS to be mm. a, a DJ. Frankie hired me at WBLS. And about another three months later, I got a call from the Apollo Theater. And Bobby Schiffman called and wanted me to host the Temptations and Spinners show. When when the Spinners you had so many people, <laughs> when the Spinners had this album with all the hits on "I'll Be Around," uh, "Sadie," um, "One Night Rubber Love Band Man," yeah, "Rubber Band Man," all those. <laughs> well, I was on stage with them, and the unfortunate part about being on stage for a week, we I must have done maybe about uh, ten shows that week. Uh, the Temptations, they didn't have a hot single out. So they would get booed. Every time I'd bring them on stage, the Temptations would start singing and the audience would boo them. And they would throw, they, they threw fruit and, 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 and money and stuff like that at the, at the Temptations. And I felt so bad for the Temps. They didn't finish their, you know, they wouldn't finish the show, you know. And um, I remember going backstage and the comedian at that time was a guy named Franklin Ajayi. And, Frank, and Franklin Jai was sitting on the steps. He was he felt so dejected because they booed him and threw fruit at him, too. <laughs> and, I, laughing, Frank. and I had to go back and console him. So I know what it's like to when someone is dejected and, and, or, and rejected uh, and, 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 you know, uh, having to to console them. It, it, it's, you know, not a nice feeling to have. So anyway, oh. so. So since then, I've been, you know, the uh, the announcer for the Apollo Theater Galas, and and I've done the uh, uh, when Oprah did her specials at the Apollo Theater, the the Legends Own. I was the announcer for oh. the for the uh, Gladys Knight show, the uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Smokey Robinson. And uh, it, it, it was really nice. So I've, I've got some, I just want the audience to know, you know, the audience from overseas and the audience at, outside of New York that I can identify with uh, the, that great stage of, of the Apollo Theater, such a, a legendary place to be. And you're there for 35 years. You must have some wonderful stories and seen some great acts. And, oh, yeah. uh, and, and I want to hear more about it. Yeah. Tell us more about your experience at the Apollo. Um, well, my character as the executioner, when I first got there, I started mimicking, you know, I'm a great mimicker. Um, Mm -hmm. I was mimicking Sandman Sims routine, dressing up in the 
the, the, the more clowny type of um, costumes wardrobe. And with then the big, with as, the big shoes, the big yeah, shoes, the big shoes, the chair, yeah. the whips and all this kind of stuff. And about five years into that, um, a gentleman named Tommy Tamita, he was the um, Japanese liaison bringing all the wonderful folks from Japan when they come to tour in New York, he'd bring them all to the Apollo. Thanks for that, Tommy Tamita. Rest in peace. Love you. Um, um, and he gave me a gift, something that didn't go with all of the other garments that I, that I wore. I said, hey, maybe if I change up my style, this will go with something, some of the new stuff. So that started the trend of me dressing in my own identity. Uh, it was still um, humorous in nature, but not clown. There's a, there's a slight difference between a clown and a humorist. So I, I dressed to make the audience laugh, but it wasn't a clown. I did about 10 years of that. Then when the Amateur Night Show switched producers, mm -hmm. he said, let's, let's switch up some stuff. Let's make your character um, more Apollo legend-y. When you kick people off, instead of the uh, humorous outfits, why don't you dress up as Apollo legend? So now I kick them off as Stevie Wonder, not Stevie Wonder. I kick them off as James Brown. Uh, I'll kick them off as Prince. I'll kick them off as um, Little Richard, telling them to shut up as I'm kicking them off the stage. And who's ever been to the Apollo Theater, I'll dress up as that, that icon now and kick them off. And that's where it is now as far as it uh, changing faces as far as my character has evolved. James Brown. You do James Brown just like James Brown. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, brother. I, think pretty, pretty, I really appreciate you saying that. Only reason I say that is because, G. Keith, there's one thing I want to say to you in the voice of James Brown, and I mean this. I mean this from the bottom of my heart, G. Keith, and I really want to say this to you. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, okay, all right, okay. Now, uh, James Brown, when I was on 92KTU, uh, Disco 92, he called me up one day and he said, Hey, brother, happy birthday. Look, I just sent something over to the radio station for you. He sent, they, they had, he and uh, Danny Ray and, uh, and, um, uh, 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 oh, the guy from the JVs. I, I know his name like the back of my hand. Maceo. Maceo. Uh, mm -hmm. No, Fred. It was, it was Fred, Fred Wesley. Wesley. Yeah. Uh, yes. They sent over a happy birthday tune for me. And it starts off like, uh, happy birthday, brother. This is James Brown. Happy, happy, funky birthday, brother. And then Danny Ray did his part. And then Fred Wesley did his part. And then the lady, the female preacher did her part. And so I'll be ever, forever grateful that James Brown gave me that piece of memorabilia that I'll have forever. Did you play that on air? Yes, I did. I think I heard that. Yes, I did. I think I heard that, yeah. And, and I, every year for my birthday, I always post it on my Facebook page as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so now tell me, did you ever meet James Brown? And what did he ever say anything to you about impersonating him? Uh, no, I didn't meet him um, when I was doing my impersonations of him. There's so many people who I, who I do who I've never met. 
Um, um, but James Brown did say sorry to me. Oh, really? I, I, I hope that's what he said. I, <laughs> <laughs> I took my girlfriend to see James Brown at the Apollo um, mm -hmm. um, way back in the day. I must have been a teenager. And, you know, before he leaves the stage, he always sings, please, please, please. The band strikes up, please, please, da, 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 da. The, the, the audience rushes the stage as they always do the Apollo. And James Brown is shaking hands, shaking hands. I pull my girlfriend up to the stage. We're running up to the stage now. The Apollo floor is an incline. So as right. you're going down, you're getting momentum. Right. I couldn't stop. We're running and running. <laughs> I couldn't stop. And I, I put my hand out and stopped my, 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 my flow of coming to the stage. And I stopped. She forgot to put her hand out. She bumps her head on the stage. She's, <laughs> she's down like this. I'm looking up at James Brown. <laughs> um, and I have my hand on the stage. James Brown steps on my hand. <laughs> and I looked up and he was saying, so it looked like he said, I'm sorry. I don't care what it was. All I know is my, my idol stepped on my hand. <laughs> I was so happy. I'm like, honey, excuse me for a second while I lavish in this. We'll my see. idol stepped on my hand. Well, see, no wonder you can do James Brown so well. He passed the torch to you by stepping on your hand. Yeah. I he actually have the soul of James Brown. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the queen uh, knighting someone, you know? Yes. Uh, yes. Wow. That, 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 that's he gave great. me the soul of his shoe. <laughs> that's amazing wow uh so uh what's in the works for you now oh right now um well pre-covid i was in the uh beginning stages of finding venues to launch um my one-man show a play called one in a million the cp lacy story and uh we were getting venues outside of new york of course want to work out the kinks before i come to new york with it but um, it's a one-man show starting from when I was five years old, doing uh, shows for my parents' house parties and um, doing little sh shows for my brothers and my sister. It starts from there when I was five years old up to today, who C.P. Lacey is today. It's a very, very, very poignant story of my life. And uh, I started not to write it because I was saying, well, the world is that a lot of people know C.P. Lacey, but I'm saying the back of my mind, I'm saying there's a lot of people who don't. So who really cares about the C.P. Lacey story? But so many people are saying, write it, write it, write it, do it, produce it, release it. You got to get that out because a lot of people want to know who C.P. Lacey is and why, you know, he is where he is. I would say there. I, I would say go for it because uh, C.P. Lacey is not just just doesn't embody, you know, uh, the actual person, but mm -hmm. you also embody so many different characters. The show would be so interesting for people to be able to, to uh, come and uh, witness how you transform yourself. I'm sure. Um, yeah. and, uh, wow, that, that's amazing. So, uh, do you plan to do any, uh, television, uh, like a host, host your own television show or something? I have a few, um, few um, treatments in the can. Uh, my second um, heartfelt passion is filmmaking. 
I've always been, you know, making short films, things of that nature, comedy sketches and stuff. I plan to um, uh, pitch to, you know, Netflix, the own network, Tyler Perry's network and things of that nature and see who wants to become a trillionaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you go to these people, I'm going to give you something um, to your listen to your viewers and listeners. Um, when you, everybody who's in the entertainment field, it's not what you want. It's what you can bring to these producers and network executives, what they can get out of it. Okay. So don't think that any of these people want to make you a star. They don't. They want to see how much you can bring to the table to get their bank accounts a lot thicker. Okay. So when you go to these places, <laughs> make sure that you have that idea in mind. No one wants to make you a star. You have to make them rich. They want you to be a profitable investment for them. Thank you very much. That's what, that's what they want. A lot of people um, in the industry thinks that it's all about their talent. There are, there, there are 10 of you. There are 10 <laughs> of you. There are, you know, speaking of which, I used to think there were 10 of me. G. Keith, when I, when I first started doing this, I was always, for the first 15 years, I was always looking over my shoulder. Who can do what I do? I'm, I'm looking for that next guy who says, CP, I can do 10 characters. I can, back then I could do maybe just 10. And I was always looking over my shoulder, waiting for that next guy coming up to be the next CP Lacey. And I'll say to your listeners and your viewers, don't worry about who's coming up after you. I did that for 10 years and no one ever, ever came. The only person who does, that I know of who does close to what I do was a guy, oh, no talent guy named Eddie Murphy. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I first met Eddie Murphy, it was at a club. I was doing my routine and Eddie came to a few of my shows after that. And he said um, um, to me, he said, um, I'm going to introduce you to my manager. And I'm like, what? You, Eddie Murphy, how are you going to introduce me to your manager? You do Stevie Wonder. You do James Brown. You do a parody of Michael Jackson. How are you going to do that? Thank you, though. He introduced me to his manager. And a couple of weeks after that, I'm watching Saturday Night Live. This is before he was on Saturday Night Live. It's Saturday Night Live with Eddie Murphy. Oh, he gave a brother some good insight because he was getting ready to move up further on that ladder. He was just a, a regular, you know, um, comedy club comedian when I met him. He didn't even have Saturday Night Live yet. So, well, let me t well, let me tell you this, okay? I'm on 92K to you, and I'm walking up Fifth Avenue or Madison Avenue one afternoon, and I hear someone say, G. Keith Alexander. And I turn to look, and here is this gentleman Caucasian gentleman walking with this young black man. Mm -hmm. The guy walks up to me and he says, G. Keith, Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy, this is G. Keith Alexander, man. He, he's the number one DJ on, on WKTU. Uh, you you got to say hello to him. So Eddie very shyly says, hi. Well, mm. And we talk for about maybe 30 seconds and then we move on. About a week later, Robert... Robert Wax was his, was his manager's name, I believe it was. I'm walking down same street. I hear G. Keith Alexander. 
he brings Eddie over again. He forgets that he had introduced me to him the week before. He introduces mm-hmm. me to Eddie again. All right. About a week later, I get a call from my publicist saying that uh, there is a comedy uh, showcase happening, and they'd like for you to be a judge. The club would like for you to be a judge at the comedy showcase. I said, okay. So I'm sitting in the audience, and about the third comedian to come out is this kid, Eddie Murphy. Okay. And Eddie Murphy sees me in the audience, and he uses me as the butt of three of his jokes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so now, of course, I'm going to give him a 10, you know, on the uh, scorecard. Of course. And, and now, a few weeks later, or maybe even a month or so later, like you said, ladies and gentlemen, on Saturday Night Live, Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm saying to myself, that kid? Wow. You know, yeah. so, wow, that, 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 that's... Uh, we both have Eddie Murphy stories. How about that? And that little thing I threw in about some no-talent kid, Eddie Murphy, in case somebody on YouTube want to chop that up and make it look like I said, Eddie has no talent. Don't you do that. Don't you do it as a comedy bit when I said no-talent guy. Eddie, well, you know, Eddie is a comic genius. Comedy genius. But, you know, I put you in the category of Sammy Davis. Well, thanks, Babe. Uh, first of all, I want you to know that you – are groovy man. <laughs> and I want you to know that I met Sammy once. Uh, he and he he rubbed my stomach. I don't know why he did that, but uh, when he introduced me to him, he he rubbed my stomach. Hey, we, we've got about. I'm, I'm sorry. Stomach rubber. Uh, uh, we're going to have to leave it there. We've got about uh, ten seconds, and I just want to remind people that we're here with Mr. C.P. Lacey, he's the executioner from the Apollo, and he's a celebrity impersonator, and uh, we'll be back. He'll maybe even have a few more voices for us, so stick around. This is G. Keith at What's Hot Harlem America. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business, making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. You're listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out, check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you that uh, we have a new federal theater gala or event happening, and we'd like for you to uh, check it out. In fact, WBGO's Rhythm Review Dance Party 
uh, will be activated that night as well. Felix Hernandez from WBGO. We all know him about, uh, uh, about around New York City uh, having his rhythm review dance parties. Well, Love he's going to... Yes, he and I will be teaming up, and uh, it'll be for Saturday to bring you 50 Years in the Groove, a rhythm review salute to Woody King's New Federal Theater. And uh, you can check us out at New Federal Theater's uh, website, which is newfederaltheater.com, or you can go to harlemamerica.com. And for those of you not familiar with New Federal uh, theater, uh, that's where uh, folks like uh, Denzel and uh, Sam Jackson and, and uh, uh, even uh, Chadwick Boseman got their start at New Federal Theater. So that's tomorrow night, and it's from 7 to 9 p.m., okay? Now, CP, yeah. back to you. Can you give us a little maybe Stevie Wonder? Oh, let's see. Um... Okay, I think I have a pair of Stevie glasses around here somewhere here. Hey, you. Now, in order to do Stevie Wonder, first of all, you must have a pair of shades. Now, he didn't have this under here, so you're gonna have to act like I don't have this. Okay. Now, the whole trick to being Stevie Wonder is not in the glasses. It, it, back in the day, it was, it was all in the neck, you see? It's all <laughs> in the neck. It's almost like he was trying to do a snake. Right, right, right. He introduced that whole snake thing. Um, I, I think then the voice will automatically begin to change. G. Keith, I want to sing a song that I made famous about five, six, seven, eight, around 40 years ago. <laughs> For your audience, audience, do you remember this one? You call my name, ooh. So sweet to make your kissing complete. When your mood is clear, you quickly change your ways. Do, 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 do. <laughs> First you say I'm all right, then it goes. Uh, you got me. From sight. So I'm taking out this time to say that's all you get. Okay, <laughs> well, you know that's great. I mean, that Thank that's you. great. Uh, I have to say also, since you brought up, or since I brought up Stevie Wonder, uh, I was standing with Stevie years ago. This was, uh, I mean, years ago, and we were at RCA Records or, or somewhere, but they had the, their own studio in-house, and they had these big studio doors. And Stevie and I are standing by the doors. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, one of the doors opened up coming towards us. You couldn't hear the door, but Stevie somehow felt the, 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 the wind or the, the, the energy coming from the motion of the door. And just like you were moving your head and stuff, mm -hmm. Stevie just kind of swiveled away from the door. And I'm saying to my, and I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, how the heck did he know that that door was coming? Wow. He was amazing. That, that sixth sense. Yes. Yes, yes, and I, I've and I've uh, worked with him since, and uh, uh, he's he's such a great uh, human being uh, and just wonderful. All right, so who else can you 
give us uh, that uh, we would recognize? Um, it's funny. Um, I don't generally do the characters without the full regalia because it makes me feel like an impressionist. Ah. An impressionist, uh, as you well know, is a mm -hmm. person who maybe does the voice. I just feel naked to do the voice without the stuff on. I, I, right, because you're more of an impersonator. I'm an impersonator. But, right. I, but I will do a couple of voices just for you because I love you, G. Keith Alexander. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I think if Michael Jackson were here, he'd probably let me just channel Michael. Um, G. Keith, I want you to know that I want everybody to, to close their eyes <laughs> and don't look at <laughs> don't look at me as I do Michael's voice because uh, Michael he, he's a little shy, but he always wants you to know that. You are not alone. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Oh, incredible. All right. So now, have you got any uh, performances coming up? Uh, I, I know we're in, we're in COVID and uh, you can't go out. I, I remember seeing you had posted on uh, Instagram or Facebook uh, one day. You were driving in the rain to get to this uh, performance uh, and um, it was at a... Um, I don't know if it was a mall or or or, or something, but I, I'm I'm watching you and you and you you know you had to get yourself together and and go in. Uh, we, but you can't do that now because of COVID. You can't right. make these personal appearances. Are you being uh, asked to perform on Zoom? Yes, I'm doing quite a few Zoom performances. Um, in fact, I have a um, there's one one big concert that happens in Plainfield, New Jersey every year is called the Summer uh, Give Back uh, Concert Series produced by a lady named Pat Fields. Mm -hmm. And uh, they didn't have it this year because of COVID, of course. They're having it uh, this November, in a couple of weeks. They're calling it the Give Back Summer Concert Series in fall. Uh, it's going to be me and a few uh, notable performers um, the headliners will be a group called the Soul Generation. Uh, mm -hmm. They had a big, big hit, a couple of big, big hits. Uh, one was, if I had a million dollars, something like that. Mm -hmm. And also, Blue Magic will be on the bill headlining as well. Oh, great. great so great. I like working with the legends because um, um, people like Blue Magic, um, the Unifics, the Delphonics. I used to draw pictures of the lead singer for the Delphonics when I was in junior high school. I, I still have it to this day. Really? Pooji Bell, I believe is his name. He had oh. such an interesting look. I actually drew a picture from the album cover of him in class when I was supposed to be paying attention. I'm drawing pictures of the Delphonics. So, so, so when this event occurs, which character are you going to uh, show up as? Uh, they gave me carte blanche, so I'm going to be introducing and outroing people as different characters. I'll introduce them as uh, Prince and outro them as, you know, Stevie Wonder. It's, I'm just, this is, said, have fun. So I'm going to have fun with them. It's and going to be an amazing show, I know that. Um, and, and the date again is when? The date is November the... Well, they can go to your website or go to your Facebook page. Yes, it's on my website. 
Um, it should be on my website and um, I'll post it on my Facebook as well. I'll give out the um, socials as we get closer to the end of the show. But it's simply www. Did I say w? How old am I? You don't have to say www anymore, folks. It's just right. cplacy.com. All right. Yeah. So for those of you who live out of the country or out of New York or not seen CP, uh, uh, go to his website and right there on the front page, there's uh, a video of uh, CP doing uh, what Prince, James Brown, um, who else? Michael, I believe is there. It's still in the building. We're still building it. Um, so as soon as COVID start, we tore it down and start rebuilding. So um, I sent your producers there, but I know there was not very much content for them to pull from because it's still in the making. Still in construction, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. still in construction. Uh, So is there anybody that um, you think is, well, you you already answered that about uh, uh, looking over your shoulder. Uh, and 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 seeing who's who's coming up, but but I'm I'm sure that you are approached quite often by young people who want to get into the business. And uh, what what do you tell them? Um, I tell them first of all that I will be launching my CP Lacey Master's class in a few more weeks. Right. Okay. <laughs> and you can go there. <laughs> and you can go there on my website and take courses and classes and, t- and learn from the best because being at the Apollo for 35 years, I've seen exactly what to do and exactly what not to do on anybody's stage, whether it be in film, singing, comedy, dance. I've seen it for 35 years, so I I know firsthand what it takes to win and what it takes not to win. But the advice that I would give on the street, if anyone asked me, I'd say, do it for the love of the craft. As I said before, don't do it for the money, because if you invest in your craft, most times the money will follow. I see. That's very good advice. You, if you love what you do, it, 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 it won't be work and you won't feel, uh, you won't feel as though you've lost out if you don't benefit financially because you've had fun. It's the journey. It's, it, 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 it's becoming, uh, it's, it's evolving uh, into uh, your talent. And, uh, and then the riches, if I may say riches, will, will follow you once, uh, you know, fee- people feel as though what you're doing is authentic and, and what you're doing is uh, beneficial uh, to them. So uh, hone your craft, must practice often. And in fact, um, when I used to teach voiceovers, I, I, I taught voiceovers for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell people that, uh, you know, you have to practice every day. You hone your craft. That's the most important thing to do. Um, so CP, you, you didn't touch on the fact that uh, when did you start taking tap dance lessons? Uh, uh, okay. I've seen videos. I've seen videos of you tap dancing with um, all of the, the great legends. tap dancers. Yeah. Yes, all uh, all the legends. Before I answer that question, I want to go back to what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. I was going to state also that you said you were offering voiceover lessons. That's what I was going to say to the newcomers too. Don't try to make it on your own talent. Go out and find a master to teach you to take you to the next level. You know, 
Uh, you can say, I'm a singer, I'm a great singer. Michael Jackson was taking voice lessons to the day he died. He never, oh, I've made it, I don't need a voice coach. I'm not in voice lessons, a vocal coach. You can always learn something new. So make sure you go to a master and learn from the masters how to do what it is that you're trying to do. Most definitely. It's, it's so important. Uh, the, the best of the best are still taking coaching lessons, Absolutely. excuse me, from, from, from people to, uh, in order to not only perfect what they're doing, but to stay, uh, how can I say, uh, at, at, at their peak That's uh, right. performing ability. Absolutely. Yeah. You never arrived, <laughs> never arrived. So now I can lay on my, sit on my laurels. Uh, now, the second question you asked me was tap dancing. Oh, uh, after I got the gig and I knew it was going to be a, a stay because um, they Sandman transferred the, um, the honors of the Apollo to me and said, it's yours, the gig is yours, henceforth now and forever till you decide to leave. Mm -hmm. And then I went to tap dance school. I studied with um, Maurice Hines. Really? Uh, yeah, I studied with Maurice Hines. Frank Hatchett. I oh, yes. Frank okay. Hatchett. And I studied with a few other people at um, New York Tap Central. Mm -hmm. So I, I, le I learned from the best. Well, that's great. Well, at we've got time, a there are a lot of great ones now who I'd like to learn some of the new style tapping with. Um, they're, they're these young guys coming up now, they're doing some incredible things with tap shoes, taking it to the next level and beyond. Have you actually... Uh dance with uh, uh, Mr. Glover? No, I haven't danced with uh, Glover at all, no. He, he's, he's in um, another league. He's in a total another league. Um, not saying that doesn't mean that the opportunity would not have uh, presented itself. It's just that he's moving around so much. He's never even, you know, in town enough. He's abroad a lot. Wow. People love him worldwide, you know. CP, we're going to have to leave it here. We've got less than 30 seconds. I want to thank you very, very much for coming to Harlem, America. And I want to thank everyone for listening. And remember, if you, if you ever miss a podcast at, at 1 p.m. Eastern, you can always check us out because we're podcasts and we love you. And you have a great day and a better one tomorrow. I'm G. Keith Alexander. And I'm CP Lacey. And that's CP Lacey. <laughs> I think. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening. Oh.